Katz Thomas along with Kathy Gray, and you are listening to another inspirational broadcast of This Is Your Life, Courage to Change. We're produced and broadcast by the Zeus Radio Network for www.hearwomentalk.com. Well, welcome everyone. I'm so glad that you have decided to join us today. Kathy, how are you? I'm so glad you're with me today. I am doing great, and I am so excited again for another week on the Sanctity of Life. This has just been so exciting putting this month together and it's not going to be any different today it's going to be great and you know i i truly you know i started thinking about um the term sanctity of life and i don't know maybe if some people really understand what that term means i certainly didn't know the full scope of it until i started delving into uh, our programs for the month and just looking at different things online and 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 i like this definition the sanctity of life is the concept of sacredness it's It's an important tie between the ethics of religion and the ethics of law. Hmm. Those who stand for life believe that life is precious because we are made in the image of God. And uh, I, I totally love that definition. And and I, I really start to think about how can we say that we live in the land of the free and the home of the brave when we're killing our own innocent children. You know, anywhere else in the world world, Kathy, if we heard this, the U.S. would be waging war against those countries for taking those innocent lives. Mm -hmm. And this month, I really hope as we continue that we can, that that hearts are going to be changed to see that that we're talking about a child, not a choice, and that is not a cliche. Our desire is not to beat anybody over the head. Our desire is not to be abrasive and gruff. Our desire is to show and to expose the true heart of God and what he has designed for us as his children and as human beings on this earth. So um, I am just very excited about uh, what we have going on today, aren't you? Oh, I am. I and I. That's beautifully said. Beautifully said. We were. I was talking with uh, my one of my son's girlfriends um, last night, and we were talking about this show. and And that's exactly how I phrased it. You know, this is not coming out against an individual, against a mother who is um, having um, to make a decision about how to care for this child, or against someone who has had an abortion. This is about trying to get us back into the way that we were created to function under a loving God who has the best plan for us. And that's what we're talking about. And he does. And today we have got just a fabulous person on who is going to share uh, some of that plan and and really how God touched his heart. We have with us our first guest is David B. Wright. David is the National Director for 40 Days for Life. And I love how David became involved with the pro-life movement. Um, He, in 1968, Planned Parenthood announced plans to build an abortion clinic in his Texas hometown. And he helped to start and build a local grassroots coalition that rallied more than 60 churches and thousands of people together. And this dramatically reduced abortions in that region. And what I love is that Planned Parenthood recognized the effectiveness of David's efforts when it labeled that same town the most anti-choice place in the nation. I say amen, hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I mean, I just love that. Plow up the ground and go 
go for it. The first ever 40 Days of Life campaign was in College Station, Texas. David, since then, has moved to Washington, D.C., where he serves as the director of the American Life League and the national director of Stop Planned Parenthood until being asked to lead the National 40 Days for Life campaign. His pro-life work has been featured in the media um, hundreds of times. He's gotten coverage on Fox News, HBO, ABC, NBC, CBS, I mean, anywhere you can think of. He's been in over 100 newspapers across the country, and he has given us, um, he's graced us today with his presence and his insight uh, on 40 Days of Life. David, thank you so much for being here with us today. Well, thank you very much, Lisa. Thank you, Kathy. I'm excited to be here. Well, you know what? We, I just want to jump right into this, okay? Uh, well, let me back up. I do have to say this. When I read that about about uh, how you got involved in this pro-life movement, David, you know, that's a perfect example right there of what people can do. What they can do when God touches you and you know what's going on isn't right. You just jumped in and you said, hey, I'm going to make a change. Is that kind of what happened with you? Absolutely. And one of the points I always make when I'm talking with people is I was the last person on earth who thought I would do this. And I was certainly the last person on earth that wanted to do this because to me, kind of like you were talking about on the intro, I mean, abortion is controversial. It's a divisive topic. And I like people to like me. I like everybody to just get along. And I thought, well, I I don't want to get involved in this really divisive issue. And particularly because I didn't think it affected me. But what I came to recognize is we're facing the greatest crisis in our world right now, and that all of us have some role. Everybody's role is different, and different ones of us are to use our time, our talents, and treasures in different ways. But each of us are called for such a time as this to do something to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. So I've been on my personal journey. I'm sure each of you have been on your journeys and so many other people I've met all around the country on theirs. But literally, all of us have some role in responding to this crisis. When we talk about this crisis, can you share with us the current scope and the magnitude of the abortion crisis? Well, you bet. And and it's something that it's very easy to sometimes forget about or try to sweep under the rug. But when we look back to the January 22nd, 1973 Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision, that was when seven men sitting on the U.S. Supreme Court imposed abortion on all 50 American states. Fast forward today as we're in the 40th year of legalized abortion, and we know the the death toll thus far is in excess of 54 million children that have perished from abortion. Every single year, just in the United States alone, another 1,200,000 children die from abortion. When you compare that to heart disease or cancer or AIDS or any other cause, you discover that abortion is the leading cause of death in our nation. Even Kathy and Lisa, while we are on this radio show, every 24 seconds, another boy or girl made in God's image and likeness perishes under this banner called choice but it's not just the children this is this is the thing i always try to get across to everybody is recognizing there are many victims of abortion mm-hmm. abortion doesn't just destroy the life of the child it also can many times ruin the life of that mother a woman who many times feels pressured into an abortion most mm-hmm. women i've met who have had abortions didn't do it because they were pro-choice they felt they had no choice and they were having that abortion because they were pressured by a boyfriend or husband or family members or friends and they felt that their life would be completely derailed if they continued with this pregnancy and many times just felt 
I have no other option but to have an abortion. They didn't know about the Loving Pregnancy Centers. They didn't know about ministries like Mary Shelter and other maternity homes. And as a result, they went in to have that abortion. So that mother is at risk of making a decision that comes with a lifetime of regrets. And we've heard so many of the testimonies of those who've had abortions saying, abortion didn't help me. It actually hurt me. We see men shoved to the sidelines told, well, you don't have any say in this. It's not your body. It's not your choice. But yet every child I've ever met had both a mother and a father. We see families torn apart. There are so many victims of abortion. And I think that when we recognize that, it's a massive national problem. It's a state problem. It's a local problem. But the thing I always try to focus ourselves in on and try to remind myself is forget those big numbers that can seem so overwhelming at times and instead think about that one. Think Mm -hmm. about that one Mm -hmm. teenage girl who just found out she's pregnant. She doesn't want to be. Everybody's pressuring her. She's on her way to the abortion clinic nearest to you, the listener's house, or nearest to your church. She's at risk of making the worst decision of her life, and that baby is at risk of death. That's why we need to remember that crisis is about one mother and one child, and we are obliged, as Scripture tells us, to rescue those being led to the slaughter. And there's no one more at risk in our culture today than that unborn child and that mother who is being pressured into having that abortion. You know, that is mm. that is so helpful because it is overwhelming. I've been especially um, focusing on this this year. Uh, since I got involved with the call and uh, we hosted some of the leaders in our house in uh, April or May and was involved at that here in Dallas. Um, and you you lead beautifully into what I'd like to ask next, next, which is what is 40 Days for Life for those who are unfamiliar with it and how is it actually a local solution for this crisis? Absolutely. Well, we talked about the worldly consequences and the, the damage that's been done by abortion. But we have to recognize, particularly as people of faith and conscience, that beneath this, it's at its root a spiritual crisis. And you mentioned the call, and I I certainly understand the importance of bathing our efforts in the spiritual component first. And in fact, the scripture verse that to me speaks most directly to our response to this crisis is 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then God promises us, I will hear, heal, I will hear your prayer, I will heal your land, I will forgive your sin. And our nation is in need of healing. Our communities are in need of healing. So we have to start first by going to God. And 40 Days for Life began literally with one hour of prayer. Four people praying around a wooden table, asking God to show us. I was living at the time in College Station, Texas, and asking God to show us how can we respond to this crisis in our community. And the three things that God put on our hearts, there were three activities Number one was prayer and fasting, recognizing that with him all things were possible. To save lives, to end abortion on our own, it seems impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Prayer and fasting. The second piece was a peaceful nonstop vigil in the public right-of-way outside of our local abortion facility. And in that case, it was a Planned Parenthood abortion center where more than 2,000 children had died. And the third thing that we felt led to do was grassroots community outreach, realizing that word of mouth is the most powerful form of advertising. Now, those three activities we did in a 40-day time frame because we know that throughout biblical history, Mm -hmm. God regularly uses that time frame to bring about transformation in the lives of his people, in nations, and throughout the world. And when we look at the transformation that's needed, we felt the importance of using that time frame was critical to speaking up for those who could not speak for themselves. So for 40 days, we decided to pray and fast, stand in peaceful vigil, and engage in grassroots community outreach. So that's what 40 Days for Life is, and it can provide a local solution to that crisis. 
just in that first campaign, and that was back in the summer of 2004, we held that first campaign, never expecting it to go beyond the, the borders of Bryan College Station, Texas. Right. But in that first campaign, over 1,000 people in that community were mobilized during those 40 days, and we saw abortions reduced by 28%. So God showed up in a profound way and showed us that mm. we, as people of faith and conscience, can be that solution to the crisis of abortion. And, and you know, I, I just really appreciate how you're putting this all together because, um, you know, I want to kind of go back to, David, to what you were saying about um, the scope and the magnitude of this and, and how we deal with women um, that have to make these decisions. Uh, you know, I think sometimes being pro-life for whatever reason, I mean, there's bad apples in every bunch, okay, but for whatever reason, it's, you know, people who are pro-choice seem to think those of us that are pro-life are standing outside the abortion clinic with a, a club and a Bible willing to just beat people over the head into submission um, to our way of thinking, and I, I am so appreciative of the fact that first you shared your heart and you talked about the magnitude of what's really going on and you know last week we had Terry Beatley on who uh, shared with us the origins of eugenics and Planned Parenthood and it gave our listeners a really good basis for um, you know what is really happening and, and how a whole race of people is, is being wiped out but I, I really appreciate that David because you know mm-hmm. I, I can throw a bit of my personal experience in this I am a, a, uh, a, a post-abortion survivor and I can tell you not one time not one time did anyone in Planned Parenthood say to me there is another choice. In fact, they never said anything to me, David. I went in and I filled out my my uh, you know information sheet, and the procedure was begun. Hmm. And and you know, I of course I've been healed for that, and I don't mean to sound glib by just saying it this way, but but I I feel that it's so important for our listeners to understand, as you said, that this affects everyone involved in this, and just because we we are pro-life that does not mean that we want to hurt the person who's pro-choice and and we want to help them understand and i think what you're saying about 40 days is so prominent because everybody thinks there's this quick fix to a solution right i mean that's abortion and you're saying no wait a minute we need to really stand firm 40 days is a short period of time but i mean to somebody who wants this immediate fix you know what i'm saying and you're saying no we're going to stand we're going to do this and we're going to take this um to a different uh plateau so doing all that uh, and you've shared with us the results share a little bit more with us some of the results of of being part of this and what you've been able to really see um maybe uh specifically with with sure. you know some different situations well lisa i think you hit the nail on the head and one of the things we've been very blessed to see through 40 days for life is that close to half of our local campaigns that have been conducted all around the world have been led by those who are post-abortive women and men who have experienced abortions in their past and because they know firsthand the pain and the challenges that has created in their life they say how can I do something in a positive way to reach out to somebody else to try to help prevent them from making the same mistake I made not in judgment not in condemnation but an offer of love and compassion Mm -hmm. to say hey I've been there I've done that and I can show you a better way and 
from that first 40 Days for Life that I was sharing about back in College Station, Texas, when we finished it, we never expected it to go beyond the confines of that community, but God did. And the Holy Spirit literally began moving this effort to other communities. First, it was to Dallas, then it was to Green Bay, Wisconsin, then to Houston, and then to Kitsap County, Washington, near Seattle, and then to Charlotte, North Carolina. And one by one, these other cities on their own did 40 days of prayer and fasting, 40 days of peaceful vigil, 40 days of community outreach, and saw similar results. Lives saved, hearts and minds changed, healing from past abortions. And so in the summer of 2007, those who had led past 40 Days for Life efforts got together on a conference call. And we felt, you know, to whom much is given, God tells us that much is required. And we've been blessed to have this experience. Do we need to share it with others? And so we felt that we were supposed to organize a nationally coordinated 40 Days for Life and had this big vision of maybe 15 or 20 cities joining together in this effort. That first fall, five years ago, uh, we had ended up being very quite surprised by this. We had 89 cities in 33 states that joined together for that effort, and it has only continued to grow since then. So when we look back just over these last five years, we've now seen 1,894 different campaigns, 40 Days for Life campaigns, conducted in 440 cities across all 50 American states and now 14 countries. Over half a million people have joined together in prayer and fasting and vigil and outreach through 40 Days for Life of more than 15,000 church congregations that have participated. And here's what God has done. And I don't take credit. 40 Days for Life doesn't take credit. This is what God has done. We have seen confirmed reports of 5,928 lives that were spared. These are babies that were scheduled to be Mm. aborted, mothers that were scheduled to make that abortion decision who changed their mind and chose life. And those are just the ones we know about. There are probably many more. But that's nearly 6,000 children alive today because of the faithfulness of people willing to put their faith into action. Mm -hmm. The next thing that we saw, we have seen now 23 abortion facilities completely close their doors and go out of business following 40 Days for Life campaigns outside the doors. And we give God all the glory for that, and it's amazing. And, And the one statistic we never, ever could have imagined, we have now seen 69 abortion workers who have had conversions and who have completely walked away from their jobs in the abortion industry, mm. thanking the people who had been praying for them outside. Many people are familiar with the story of Abby Johnson. She was the director of the Planned Parenthood there in Bryan College Station, Texas, and she was the Planned Parenthood 2008 Employee of the Year before in 2009, during the 40 Days for Life outside of her facility, she was called into the procedure room and witnessed an abortion on an ultrasound for the first time of a 13-week-old child, was devastated and knew my eight years of Planned Parenthood have all been a lie. I've just witnessed a child die before my eyes, and she felt, I've got to get out of this, but where do I go? She went back to her office, looked out the window, through her tears, saw two women praying quietly outside, not yelling, not condemning just praying. And she went to those people and said, I want to get out. And Abby's conversion was just profound. She's now started a ministry to help other workers come out of the abortion industry. Her book, uh, Unplanned, was a national ten, top 10 best-selling book. She's been on CNN and Focus on the Family and EWTN. Her story's been heard by millions, but that's what God can do, change hearts and minds of people who are affected on both sides of this issue. And now we have multiple former abortion clinic workers who are now running 40 Days for Life campaigns outside of the facilities where they used to work. So God is good. He is, and he's amazing, and he changes things, and all we have to do is submit to him. David, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be back, and we're going to talk more about 40 Days for Life and the sanctity of life. Keep listening. We'll be right back, folks, in just a couple of minutes.
This isn't silence. It's nothing. Every year, a million families lose their homes to foreclosure because they do nothing. If you've fallen behind on your mortgage, do something. Call 1-888-995-HOPE. That's 1-888-995-4673. Because nothing is worse than doing nothing. A public service announcement brought to you by NeighborWorks, the ad council in this station. Ocean Drive Beach and Golf Resort is the perfect host for your next beach getaway. Located directly on the oceanfront in the heart of North Myrtle Beach, our oceanfront rooms and suites come fully equipped and feature private balconies with breathtaking ocean views. Ocean Drive Beach and Golf Resort features unparalleled on-site amenities, including the OD Beach Club and world-famous Spanish Galleon Nightclub. Call Ocean Drive Beach and Golf Resort now at 1-800-438-9590. We'll see you in North Myrtle Beach. This is Donna Tyson, your host for Rivers of Faith. Are you looking for a great inspirational book for a daughter, granddaughter, or a special friend? Then check out my beautiful children's book, The Red Bow. Its message of positive self-esteem and the power of a smile is guaranteed to touch hearts and make a difference. Just go to my website at www.drtyson.com and you can order online. That's www.drtyson.com. To order the Red Bow online. Have a Red Bow Day. Hi, I'm Jack Canfield, motivational speaker and co-author of more than 200 Chicken Soup for the Soul titles. And HearWomenTalk.com is all about feeding the soul of every woman through groups, blogs, and some of the best no-holds-barred talk radio the Internet has to offer. Chicken Soup for the Soul has shown our readers that everyone has a great and inspiring story to share. And Hear Women Talk is inspiring women to share the very best of themselves. I'm Jack Canfield for HearWomenTalk.com part of the Zeus Radio Network. Hi, this is Michelle with LaBellamy Vineyard. You're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Welcome back, everybody. This is Kathy Gray, and I'm on with my co-host, Lisa Kratz-Thomas. This is your life, Courage to Change. And we are talking with David B. Wright, the um, national leader for 40 Days of Life. And um, he is just so encouraging, telling us what God is doing and giving the credit to God, because God is the one that's orchestrating all this and saving all of these um, precious children. And David, we would love to hear a few more stories about what's going on, because I was just enthralled and compelled while you were um, talking. So please continue. Well, Kathy, thanks so much. Um, Let me just use one that I think captures several different things in this one story, and it was a profound experience for me, and it happened last summer. Uh, I've traveled to over 350 cities visiting 40 Days for Life campaigns over the last five years, and it's been an incredible, incredible journey. But one of the things I mentioned that we've seen 5,928 children that have been spared from abortion, I personally have only met two of those children. I've read a lot of the stories, I've heard the reports, but not gotten to meet a lot of them. And uh, those two were very, very special. And the second one of those happened last summer. 
uh, I got a phone call from our local 40 Days for Life leader in La Puente, California. And La Puente is a suburb in East L.A. And Yvonne Viramontes, who had led that campaign, called and said, after we've done five 40 Days for Life campaigns outside this one abortion facility, and we just got word that the facility just closed down literally overnight. The abortionist went out of business. They closed mm. the center down, abandoned their equipment, and literally left town. And she said, we would love to have a rally to praise God for what he's done, to mourn the children who've lost their lives there and the mothers who were wounded there, but also just to, to celebrate what God has accomplished here. And she said, could you come out? And I wouldn't have missed that for the world. So I jumped on a plane out of Dulles. I flew direct to LAX and had to come back that same night on a red eye because I had meetings the next day. But on the flight out there was wondering, well, what's it going to be like? What, what is going to be the experience when I get there? What's going to be the greatest blessing? I thought it would be one of two things. I thought it would either be seeing the facility closed and knowing no more women will cry here, no more children will die here ever again, or it would be seeing the eyes of the people who had prayed outside that facility so fervently for months, praying for that place to close and seeing their joy in knowing that their prayers were heard and were answered. Well, both of those were great moments, but for me, the greatest highlight was the unexpected one. And it was at the rally. While I was there, Yvonne came running up to me and she said, well, they're here, they're here. I've got to take you to meet them. And I had no idea who she was talking about. And she took us down the sidewalk to meet four people. One was a tiny little baby, a newborn baby being held by her teenage mother. Next to her was the baby's grandmother. And next to her was the baby's great grandmother. So there were four generations. And they shared with us that months earlier, during a previous 40 Days for Life campaign, that teenage girl had found out she was pregnant. She was scared. She didn't know she had any other options. And she went to her mom and said, I need to have an abortion. And her mom said, I, I don't want you to have an abortion. I don't think that's a good thing. And the girl said, well, what else is there? Tell me my other solutions. And the mom knew nothing to tell her. So reluctantly, the mom drove her to the abortion facility that day. When they got there and pulled into the parking lot, they drove by a few people who were quietly praying there on the right of way, and they pulled into the parking lot, and the girl in the back seat, the teenager, started to cry and cover her ears, and she said, Mom, why are those people screaming at me? It's like they're yelling inside the car. And her mom said, what are you talking about? They're silently praying. And the girl said, well, I just wish God would tell me what to do here. And her mom said, those tears coming down your cheeks right now Maybe that's God trying to tell you what you're supposed to do. That was all it took. And that girl, her mom, jumped out of the car, went over to those people praying and said, we need a lot of help. And they took her to the right around the corner, the Pregnancy Help Center. And those believers came alongside that mother, her baby, throughout the pregnancy, and then even after the baby was born. And it was a little girl she named Leah. So Leah was born. That was wonderful. But that day, outside of the closed abortion facility, I got to meet baby Leah. I got to hold her in my arms mere yards away from the facility where she had been scheduled to die. I got to meet her mother who had so much joy and peace in her life. And they were so appreciative of these people who'd prayed for them, who'd stood for them, who'd helped them all the way through this process. And as I held little Leah, I thought if it weren't for people willing to put their faith into action, willing to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves, Leah would not be alive today. And for me, that moment in time, uh. holding that little girl in my arms, and she giggled and smiled, and I just thought, everything I've gone through, all the setbacks, all the challenges, all the frustrations, it was all worth it in that moment. Mm. And my prayer and for everybody listening is that if you've not had that experience of holding in your arms a boy or a girl made in God's image and likeness who's alive because of you answering the call, then I pray that happens for you as well. So God is so good, and it was such a blessed moment for me. 
David, that is just a fabulous story of hope and inspiration. And uh, as as we had mentioned earlier, we had been waiting for a call from um, Dr. Alveda King, the niece of um, the late Martin Luther King. And we have Dr. King on the line right now. Welcome, Dr. King. How are you this morning? I'm wonderful. How are you? I am so wonderful, and I am so grateful and honored that you called in today. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to uh, our guest, David B. Wright. I know that you all have met. He is with 40 Days for Life, but we have had a great conversation about uh, God's God's unbelievable grace and his love for the people uh, on this earth, and and really what what role we play in the pro-life movement. Can you expound and share a little bit about your heart and and what you've been doing in this area? Yes, and hello to David. I guess he may be gone now, but I uh, did listen in on that as well, and the pro-life movement overall. And, of course, uh, folks can kind of read my own testimony. I have a book called How Can the Dream Survive If We Murder the Children, and that Mm -hmm. testimony is online, and how my grandfather... Martin Luther King Sr. convinced my mother not to abort me, and mm. uh, my grandfather convinced me not to have an additional abortion. I had had two secret abortions and a miscarriage related to the harm done by all of that, and I was going to have another abortion. I told my grandfather, and he talked me out of it. He said, that's not a lump of flesh. That's a little baby. Mm. And he told my mother uh, that in 1950, and when I say I have a dream, it's in my dreams. My grandfather said he saw me in a dream three years before I was born. And uh, he described me, no ultrasound or anything like that. So I've had personal experiences with being deceived by Planned Parenthood and the devil and forces that work against life and then coming into Christ with a full relationship with Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior in 1983. And uh, I became pro-life and pro-family and everything. And I've been so ever since. And that's been many years now. Uh, Dr. Alvada King, this is Kathy Gray, and I am so glad to meet you. I'm, I co-host with Lisa, Lisa and um, I, I'm just—I have chills thinking about how God um, intervened in your family. I mean, God has had such an important role for your family to play in the life of our nation, and that it has—it um, wasn't just for the freedom. Um, of an equality in in our nation, but it was also for the lives of these unborn children. And they, they, it w- you said it was your grandfather who had a dream. Yes, my grandfather dreamed that he saw me in a dream uh, three years before I was born. And uh, you know, t- today I direct African American outreach for priests for life, and that's my hmm. vocation. And okay. I'm also an ordained minister at a church in Atlanta, Georgia, Believers Bible Christian Church. I'm on the teaching staff and the music staff there. So I uh, am a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm a civil rights voice. I work for uh, Priest for Life. And those are the kinds of things that I'm doing here in the 21st century to let people know that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness includes natural or procreative marriage. That's marriage between one man and one woman. It, inclu- it, it, it includes not aborting our babies. And it also, for women, because, you know, Planned Parenthood is a big liar, and they pass out products that kill women and kill babies. We know about the abortion and the invasion of the civil rights of the little babies in the womb, because those are little people. But, yes. uh, you know, these chemicals, these free HHS mandate chemicals, these free birth control that gives people strokes and heart attacks and 
liver cancer and cervical cancer and all of that. The abortion. Uh, woman Tanya Reeves recently was killed at a Planned Parenthood clinic. Oh. So, you know, all of these things, I just feel a responsibility to tell people the truth and shame the devil. Jesus set me free and put me on a really good track of truth. And I just feel an obligation, not only as a niece of Martin Luther King, the daughter of his brother, Reverend A.D. King, and my mother, Naomi, and granddaughter of Daddy King and Mama King, but as a servant of the Most High God, Yes. I still I have an obligation to tell people the truth. Well, we couldn't agree with you more. And um, I just so appreciate the fact that, you know, you can, you can, nobody can minister to somebody in the way that someone who's been there. I'm not saying that other people's ministry is not valid. We've just been proven, uh, I would, that would be proven wrong by what, you know, David said. He's ministered to, to mm-hmm. millions of people. However, I will say that the fact that you share that you experienced abortion and that how you've come out of it and what you've experienced dealing with women who have had abortions that speaks volumes to women who are out there thinking that this may be their only option Dr. King what would you say to that woman right now that is listening that says you know what she doesn't understand she doesn't she doesn't got it like I got it she doesn't understand what it's like to have no money to have no support to to, to raise these babies you know that are going to be illegitimate what would you say to that woman that's getting ready to make a decision that will scar her for life? Well, I made a couple of decisions. Well, one, really, one decision I didn't make. A doctor just did a DNC in his office in 1969 without even explaining it to me because I was a Mm -hmm. young mother, married mother with one baby, and he didn't think I was ready for another one, and he just did it. So maybe Mm -hmm. I was for the explanation. But the second one I chose to have, for some of those reasons, I was having problems in my marriage. Mm -hmm. I was not... I was married and out of the house, and money was tight, and we had problems. The baby, daddy didn't want a baby. Right. Uh, there was some domestic issues. You know, I went through all of that, and I decided to have an abortion. It didn't make my problems go away. It didn't make me feel better. It didn't make my life better. Everything became worse. And on top of that, I also did not have keep my child. And my own body was harmed by birth control and abortion and all of that through the years. So all of that, is, there's always a better solution, and love never fails. There's so many wonderful pregnancy care centers now. I think in a way they're beginning to outnumber the abortion clinics, which is Yay. wonderful. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, so the book of Titus, ladies, I'm an older woman now, I'm 61, and the older women, without judgment but in compassion and truth, simply mm-hmm. teach the younger women that there is a more excellent way a better way and there are many people who love you who will help you yes. so don't buy the lies of Planned Parenthood or these other abortion providers but uh, come on and step up into truth I went to a women's prison last weekend with a friend of mine at our Reconciliation Ministries in Virginia Pastor John Payton and his ministry and uh, had lunch with he and his wife and everything we talked about all these things and uh, we went to the prison and we ministered to young women in prison and some older women, too, actually. And, and they just thanked us, and they gave us their presence, and they listened, and uh, I apologized to them for all the bad things that had happened to them in their lives. And, uh, you know, we prayed with them. So there's always, God is there. God will help. Jesus Christ and his shared blood, the power of the Holy Spirit, the ministering of the warring angels. All of that's available to us. We just don't know it. So I think as you listen to these wonderful ladies on their radio program, uh, listening audience, and there are going to be some more resources on their website, 
you can find me at priestforlife.org. And I'm also the founder of King for America. And I have a lot of books. Uh, this morning, I, 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 I realized I needed to do another book. And it's called Baby Mama Drama. Oh, boy. Oh. Yeah, I'm going to write it. And uh, the thing about it, racism, homosexuality, and abortion, and uh, the artificial birth, birth control drugs, all that's related. Because with racism, you got to think about it. There are some people who still will say, well, I might procreate, but only with people who look like me, because everybody else is inferior. So that's right. against the word of God in Acts 17. It says, the one blood he made all people. So there's one race. Right. So we can all marry and have babies. And, and, and in the Bible, you know, they'll say, well, in the Bible, God told those people don't mess with the people of the other race. I say, well, the word in Hebrew is really not the other race. And that was not a skin color issue. That was a spiritual issue. He said, do not marry people who are going to be worshiping idols. Right. Marry people who love me. And everybody of every skin color can love God. And if somebody loves God, they can get married. You know, so that's the racism part. And then homosexuality says, I'm not procreating, procreating at all because it's going to be two men or two women. So we know that can't happen. And then the poor lady will say, well, you know, I don't want babies. So I'm going to take this poison medicine to keep from having them. And if I get a baby, I'm going to abort the baby. I'm not procreating. So here people in confusion are saying, mm-hmm. we don't like your mandate, God, to be fruitful and multiply. So we're just going to do all this other stuff. So now we have to tell the truth, and ladies need to know if you don't ha- if you don't have sex when you're ovulating, you won't get pregnant. So don't have sex when you're ovulating, and then you'll say, "Well, suppose I'm irregular." Then look mm-hmm. into the whole process of natural family planning and uh, get your body healed and healthy. And so you know you can do those kinds of things, but we want to do that, and we want to wait until we're married, um, have our babies there, because that's the best way, you know. Science, soci- sociologists, everybody has proven, uh, and this is, you know, the Bible itself is the final and complete authority on this. But uh, other reports substantiate that children raised with one father and one mother in a harmonious environment have a better chance for success in life. So we need to get back to that pattern. We really do. Well, Dr. King, I cannot thank you enough for your insight and for your, your, your sound advice. And yes, you know, sometimes things do happen where people get into situations. But with God, he can turn that all around. And, and I so appreciate your heart in, in sharing what you've learned. Like you said, you're mentoring other women so that, not so that we can condemn them, so that, that you can enlighten them, so that they can live yep. happy, joyous, and free. And I, I cannot thank you enough for taking time from your busy day to join us today. And uh, I, I thank you for going to the prisons. I spend a lot of time in prisons in Virginia, so I'll have to touch back with you on that. But um, I know you were a blessing to them as you were to us today. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. God bless you, ladies. Thank you. You Bye. too. Okay, you too. Well, we that was awesome. I mean, oh, is it not awesome? Incredible. David, are you still with us? I am still here, and I'm just enjoying. I'll be as a dear friend, and just hearing the radiance coming out of her voice and heart. It's just beautiful. It is, and it's just you know the whole thing that that is so amazing to me. I'm so excited. Is that that Martin Luther King played such 
a role in transforming the thinking, the mm-hmm. thinking of our country, mm-hmm. because he loved the Lord. He was hearing from the Lord. And isn't it just like God? Okay, he says we must remember history or it will repeat itself. So isn't it just like God to use a family who made such an impact in the the, the demolition of slavery and, and that type of low-level thinking to, to be such a driving force in uh, the the pro-life movement. Don't you think that's awesome? Isn't God awesome? Amen to that. It's incredible. And, you know, I got to throw this in really quick. She, I love how she talked about, um, you know, the the racism and the um, prejudice and, and so forth. And, of course, she addresses that. Um, you know, God is definitely not a racist. And um, Moses married an Ethiopian woman, and his brother and sister were upset about that because she was black. And God said to Miriam, um, Moses' sister, he says, you don't, you don't like black? You want white? I'll give you white. And he gave her leprosy. That's how seriously God takes our um, prejudicial, hateful, superiority kind of thinking and i just love that she brought that up and that's part of her ministry so just anyway well um we are going to uh, david i cannot thank you enough can you leave just a few nuggets with us we are going to take a short break here and come back with uh, delegate mark cole from virginia but if you could just leave us with a few short and uh just little nuggets to drop in our spirit and how people could get in touch with you Well, the first thing I would tell you is that if you're listening to the sound of our voices, there's a reason God has you listening to this episode of This Is Your Life, The Courage to Change. You are here for a reason. God wants you to do something to help be a solution to this crisis. So first, recognize that. Secondly, find your role. First off, it's to pray. I'm certain of that. Maybe it's to fast during certain seasons. Maybe it's to get involved in a 40 Days for Life campaign or educational efforts or maternity homes or pregnancy centers or post-abortion healing. But search out and find the way that God can use your existing gifts and talents and experiences to do great good. And then number three, believe in him. Believe that he can accomplish miracles. He's proven it time and time again. Our God is a faithful God who hears our prayers, who answers our prayers, and can bring about miracles. And he can accomplish those miracles through you. If you want to find out more about 40 Days for Life, you can go to the website 40daysforlife.com, and that's the number 4040daysforlife.com. Certainly, you can go check out the wonderful work of my dear friend Alveda King. There are so many great things, but find your place, get involved, and when we do that, not if, when we do that, this truly will be the beginning of the end of abortion in our communities, in our state of Virginia, wherever you live, wherever you're listening, and literally around the world. So let's make it happen together so that we can write the page of history and bring an end to this great injustice for once and for all. David, thank you, and I just pray many blessings on you, your organization, and your family. Thank you so much. Thank you, David. Yes. Up next is Mark Cole, delegate from the Virginia House of Representatives, who will talk about the controversial ultrasound bill passed in Virginia this year. We'll be right back, folks, with This Is Your Life, Courage to Change. Remember that year my birthday party got washed out by the storm when nobody showed up and we spent the whole night eating cake and ice cream? (laughs) Yeah, I remember. Had to be your worst party ever. Actually, it was my favorite. 
You never know which moments will be the ones they remember forever. So take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 1-877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Ocean Drive Beach and Golf Resort is the perfect host for your next beach getaway. Located directly on the oceanfront in the heart of North Myrtle Beach, our oceanfront rooms and suites come fully equipped and feature private balconies with breathtaking ocean views. Ocean Drive Beach and Golf Resort features unparalleled on-site amenities, including the OD Beach Club and world-famous Spanish Galleon Nightclub. Call Ocean Drive Beach and Golf Resort now at 1-800-438-9590. We'll see you in North Myrtle Beach. Hi, this is Michelle with LaBellamy Vineyard. You're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. are back and you're listening to This Is Your Life, Courage to Change, produced and broadcast by the Zeus Radio Network. I'm Lisa Kratz-Thomas along with my co-host, Kathy Gray. And we are talking this month about the sanctity of life. We just heard from David B. Wright, who is the National Director of 40 Days for Life, and he shared with us his experiences of... um, working with 40 days for life the magnitude of the abortion crisis we heard from martin luther king's niece dr alvita king she shared with us her her uh involvement in the pro-life effort and her personal experience and we wanted to talk today with uh delegate mark cole from the virginia house of representatives in spring of this year virginia governor bob mcdonald signed into law a controversial bill that requires women to have abdominal ultrasound uh, before abortions. The law went into effect in July for abortion providers in the state. Our guest today, Mark Cole, is a longtime conservative and delegate serving in the Virginia House of Representatives who spearheaded this effort when he submitted a bill last January at the start of the 2012 General Assembly that would require every pregnant woman seeking an abortion to have an ultrasound at least 48 hours before the abortion. Mark, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Well, we're so glad you're here. First, Mark, can you share with us why you submitted this initial piece of abortion legislation? What was your motivator? Well, I, I talked to some of the uh, the pro-life uh, advocates and groups, and uh, actually, uh, you know, I, I first submitted this legislation, I guess it's probably six or seven years ago, and uh uh, me or Kathy Byron, uh, Delegate Kathy Byron, have been uh, sponsoring the legislation every year since. And it was actually Kathy's bill that uh, that passed. Our, our bills were very similar, and we decided to go with uh, with Kathy's version of the bill. Uh, and basically all it does, I think, is codify uh, sound medical practices. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think it will... Uh, any doctor, I know it became very controversial this year. Uh, again, I think it was just because the left knew that it had a chance of passage this year, uh, where in previous years they, they were confident that they could defeat it in the state Senate, and so they never really demagogued it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this year, because they knew it had a good chance of passage, uh, they really came out all, all against it and uh, demagogued the bill and, and the issue 
uh, claiming, you know, his invasion of a woman's privacy and, and everything out, you know, violating her body and, and so forth. While, uh, again, all I think it did was codify sound medical practices, uh, would also give the woman a chance to view the uh, ultrasound before the abortion is performed so that uh, really it's an informed consent legislation. You know, the, uh, the uh, left says they're all for, uh, you know, information, everybody have an informed uh, choice and stuff mm -hmm. like that. However, whenever you put a bill in to do that for abortion, uh, they, they go all out against it uh, because, you know, in a lot of cases, if a woman sees that it's not just a, uh, you know, a, a tissue mass, that it mm -hmm. really is a child in there, uh, she will make the, the uh, choice to, uh, to keep the child. Um, Mark, when you, this is Kathy speaking, when you um, originally submitted the bill, um, did it have the provision that called for a woman to have a vaginally invasive procedure um, known as the transvaginal ultrasound or before having an abortion or was it, is that, was that true? What was that? Well, about? yeah, I mean, the, the, the legislation was never specific okay. about the type of ultrasound. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, it just said that an ultrasound had to be performed to uh, to determine the location and the uh, the age of the uh, the uh, child, and also to see if there might be any complications or anything like that. Uh, and those ultrasounds are already being performed uh, by the doctors in the abortion clinics now. Uh, it was only this year. That, uh, you know, again, I think it was because the left knew that it had a good mm -hmm. chance of passage, that they tried to make a issue out of the, what's called the transvaginal ultrasound, which is in early uh, stages of the pregnancy, uh, the doctor will, you know, cannot always get a good picture with the, uh, the external ultrasound, so they right. will uh, insert a probe mm -hmm. and... You know, there, there was that. That was where they made uh, most of their uh, their objections to it. Right. Even though, as I said before, doctors are already doing this before they perform an abortion. Uh, they, uh, you know, any doctor worth his salt is not going to perform an abortion uh, if a woman refuses an ultrasound and he's not sure, you know, where the the child is and, and so forth. Right. And, and, you know, I'll bet, I'll bet this really, uh, you know, ignited the climate down at General Assembly um, this session when, when, you know, you all were just uh, kind of going back and forth about this, about this bill. Like you said, you know, nobody says anything if it's for health reasons, but when you bring it up and it has to do with, uh, you know, infringing on what they consider pro-choice, then there's always, you know, a big, uh, you know, opposition to it. So, speaking of opposition, Mark, what do you say to those who are pro-choice and they say that the bill would deny poor women the ability to terminate pregnancies in cases of, you know, gross handicapping or physical deformity or mental deficiency? Um, you know, wh what would you say to, to that? Well, the, that legislation has nothing to do with that. All it does is say that, you know, an ultrasound must be performed before an abortion and that the woman must be given an opportunity to view the ultrasound. Uh, you know, again, it, it does not 
touch on the areas of, of uh, justification for an abortion. Mm. Uh, those are that, that separate code and, and separate legislation to try to deal with that. And what is the state of Virginia? There is another piece of legislation that is that is I don't know if it's gone through or not. That does say that you know uh, about uh, government paid abortions. Can you share a little bit about that? Well, we uh, we've always tried to do what we can to limit uh, taxpayer funding of abortions, and uh, again. You know, it, it has no, usually has no problem passing the House. Uh, it's the uh, state Senate that, that is usually the problem. And while the House, you know, will have language restricting, like funding for Planned Parenthood, uh, in the budget, uh, you know, the uh, the Senate usually uh, takes it out. Uh, you know, fortunately this year, you know, Governor McDonald uh, did what he could to try to limit the the funding for uh, Planned Parenthood and abortion. So I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, that that will actually, you know, reduce or cut the, the funding uh, for that. Now, technically, they weren't supposed to be spending money on abortion. They were just supposed uh, spending money on pregnancy services. But again, money tends to be, you know, fungible. That is... You know, they can, they can take money out of one account and move it to another account if they get government funds. So, uh, again, yeah, I just think that, uh, one, we do not need to be providing funding to Planned Parenthood. Right. Uh, and, and, two, you know, because, uh, you know, regardless of whether or not you put strings on that money uh, or not regarding abortion services, uh, what it does is free up their other funding to provide abortion. Right, right. Um, Mark, can you speak do, to your um, level of knowledge about um, the ultrasound um, laws in the 50 states? What is that like around the country? Is Georgia, I mean, is Virginia um, uh, unique to that? Um, what is it like in the rest of the country? No, uh, Virginia is not unique, and I'm not. I, you know, I don't have the figures in front of me as to how many states have passed similar uh, requirements uh, on uh, on abortion, uh, but I know that our uh, the legislation that Kathy Byron carried that uh, that I supported mm-hmm. uh, was based, I believe, on uh, Pennsylvania legislation. Uh, okay. So I mean, it's not anything that's new or unique. I think Virginia became the focal point nationally this year because of our. Uh, proximity to Washington D.C. and the national media. So, if if our listeners wanted to find out, what would you suggest they do if they're interested in writing their um, representative about getting this passed in their own state? Uh, the, the one they they need to uh, make sure they know who their state representatives are. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, all the states except for one have a have a house, a lower house, and then a state senate. Uh, and, you know, it's surprising, you know, even now I've been in the uh, legislature for 12 years. Uh, you know, I still go out when I'm meeting people and knocking on doors and stuff, uh, you know, and, and meet people who really have no clue as to who their state representatives are. Uh, so people need to be aware of who their state representatives are and then just contact them and uh, let them know their position on these issues. Not just the right. ultrasound bill, but 
and life in general and, and other issues like that are important to them. Uh, and, and I'd recommend that anytime you, uh, you contact your representatives, whether it's national, state, or local, that, that you do it politely. Uh, right. don't, don't come in, <laughs> you know, screaming yes. and hollering at them and, and stuff like that because, uh, you know, if, if that happens, that tends to make them defensive instead of listening to you. Right. Well, well, Mark, I can't tell yeah. you how much we thank you for your service to our state, for standing for life. And, you know, we have to have life to pursue happiness. So we appreciate that. God bless you. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Well, I thank you for inviting me. Thanks thank so you much. Mark. Well, we've got to close out our show. We are right at the end. We thank you all for listening. Next week we are going to have Matt Lockett, Director of Bound for Life. And we will also have Kristen Hawkins, Students for Life. Thank you all for joining. I'm Lisa Kratz-Thomas along with Kathy Gray. You've been listening to This Is Your Life, Courage to Change. We're produced and broadcast by the Zeus Radio Network for www.hearwomentalk.com. <laughs>